Thanks again for joining me on another episode of the Success Story Podcast. We have an amazing show for you today. I got Robert Barber. He is the author of CEO for Life. A little bit, uh, Coles knows of his career. He was an HR exec at one of the largest organizations, largest companies in the world. He left that, thought he could make a, a killing in real estate, uh, almost went bankrupt, and then uh, found found an opportunity, a real estate opportunity. I'm not going to spoil it for you that, that really worked out for him um, after a a lot of hardships living the entrepreneurial life. He retired as a millionaire when he finally doubled down on what was working. He retired very young. Um, and now he's writing a book. He runs a podcast. He's doing things that he, he enjoys. He's, you know, he's living, he's living the dream. Um, we're going to break down his career. We're going to talk about why he left, uh, you know, a comfort, you know, comfortable job. Uh, what went wrong when he first started to try and build his own real estate empire and then what went right. Um, and then we're going to talk about what he's doing now, which is he, he does some coaching. He does some consulting. A lot of people call themselves coaches. A lot of people call themselves consultants. What should you look for when you're looking to hire a coach or a consultant? Because he recognizes a lot of bullshit in the industry, a lot of red flags, a lot of people you should stay away from. So we're going to we're gonna walk through that. And uh, you'll, you'll probably come away with quite a few great career lessons, entrepreneur lessons, but also lessons that you should think about when you're trying to find somebody who you want to learn from because it's important to align with people. But there's a lot, like I said, a lot of bullshit out there. You have to be careful who you work with and who you trust and who you learn from. Um, also, thank you for the sponsor of today's show, Gusto. Gusto is an incredible solution. Uh, they help entrepreneurs, business owners, CFOs, with payroll, HR. Basically, they get rid of all the admin stuff, the stuff that anybody who's trying to build a business doesn't want to have to deal with. And they make it much easier for you. So like all sponsors, they always give us a special offer. Uh, around halfway in the podcast, you're going to hear the special offer from Gusto. So definitely uh, stay tuned and look out for that because it is a great software and it really does help anybody who's trying to build a business or scale the operations side of a business. All right, let's get right into it. Super excited. Another episode of Success Story Podcast with Robert... All right. Thanks again for joining me today. I'm sitting down with Robert Barber. He is a certified coach. He is an Amazon best-selling author. He is a multi-million dollar real estate sales individual, past Fortune 150 C-level executive, podcast host, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, as well as According to his LinkedIn bio, avid hiker and overlander. Um, thanks, Rob, for, for coming on. I, you know, we did a, a show a while back, and and I'm glad to bring you on and and unpack your story because you have a lot of accolades. So I want to understand you know, your journey in life and how you got to doing what what it is you're doing now. Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on. It's uh, you know when we got a chance to jam on on the other podcasts and stuff, it was great just to get your perspective on life. And I've gotten a lot of good feedback about your take on and your journey. So um, I'm glad to be here and maybe share a little bit with your audience too. So man, thanks for having me. No, it's my pleasure, um, and I'm excited to chat with you because you have a very uh, colored background in a good way, very similar to you know sort of my background. You came from big business working for a large organization, then into entrepreneurship in real estate, and then now other types and forms of entrepreneurship. So just walk me through your career path and how you came to sure. what you're doing now and, and all the way back to running companies, electrical engineering, I think, through to HR. Yeah. And there's a whole story there as well. So let's go into that. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I think the one takeaway for everyone listening is um, there is no straight path and you got to be willing to take a lot of changes and chances. So, you know, I got a degree as an electrical engineer. you know, I was the first one in my family to go to college. Never really had plans going to college. Ended up doing that. I picked engineering because they made good money, um, and I liked math. But uh, <laughs> but it wasn't my passion, which is which is really interesting. And I and I had to learn that the hard way. So I spent three years as an engineer, man, and I was awful. There's no way they should have given me a degree. I there. I mean, it just I was not a good engineer. So. Um, so I decided after three years, my self awareness kicked in. You know, still young at that point. And uh, and so I said, uh, and my soon-to-be wife, I said, maybe I should try human resources. I like people, and recruiting's probably pretty fun. I'll go back to colleges. That sounds like fun. And uh, and so I went and interviewed for a recruiting position. And the director of human resources told me, engineers make awful people people. Hmm. And so I didn't get the job. I mean, they actually told me that, right? And uh, and it was funny because about three weeks later, uh, the company had started up a, a had a startup division that was a, a rollout, and um, and they offered me a position to come on as in HR, but they said if the if the company folded, then I would be out of a job, and I was like, all right, well, cool, I'm I'm off of what I do, so let me at least try that, and that mm-hmm. was the the rocket of my my career. So I guess the takeaway with that is you know don't be afraid to bet on yourself. So I jumped into human resources, fell in love with it, did it for 13 years. Um, it was great. It was a great experience. Got to travel. Um, we grew the company from two states to 26 states. By the time that I left, we had uh, you know thousands of employees across the United States and internationally, and I was responsible. And I was responsible for the human resources function. So it was a lot of fun. Um, but at the same time, what's good and bad is that being in human resources, I got to see what everybody made in terms of money. <laughs> so the people in operations were making three times what, you know, I was making, but, you know, I had just as much of an impact to the bottom line, right? I mean, I was negotiating labor contracts for billion dollar power plants and, you know, it just, that's just the way that it is, you know, back office functions are just not seen as value as valuable right mm-hmm. and I'm, i don't know has that been your experience i mean you know dude it's been always my experiences which is why i always defaulted to sales because i always knew that that's where you can make as much you make the most money and to be honest i don't know if that's a good driver for a career but i've always i've always loved the thought of working in marketing but every time i look at the potential paycheck you default to sale and I've worked in both roles. Like I've, I've done both over my career, but you always just think like, wow, you know, that's shaving, you know, a hundred thousand, 150,000 off your potential paycheck in some, in some roles. It's that, it's that serious. And I actually don't agree with it. I think it's a very outdated mindset, but people that make the money for the company, you know, the revenue generating business, you you make a lot of money, but anyways, yeah. So electrical engineering moving to HR, I'm assuming that was already a, that was probably a pay cut in and of itself, no? It, it, it took, well, my career path, I, when went, first in started. High. Oh, I yeah. went in high, but then it plateaued, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So my growth from that standpoint. But that was another reason, you know, going into the unregulated side of the business that I was in, um, I was being benchmarked against other, other higher end sales and trading organizations. So my pay yeah. did grow. But, you know, if I would have stayed where I was at, it would have been stagnant. But, you know, it was it was a good gamble and it was a good, you know, one of the things I was told early on because, you know, I, I worked with a lot of the sales guys and girls was I was told that the closer you are to the dollar, the more money you make. And so, I mean, that's just a function of how it works. That's just yeah. it. So 
so you 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 grew obviously it was successful you didn't lose the job you grow the you grew this opportunity mm-hmm. you grew you grew this business so it was very successful um now you're now you're hr executive i'm assuming in a, in a relatively uh a relatively successful business what made you what's what's the next move that you you took after that yeah, so you know i have this um you know and you'd be a real upfront is like you know i've had anxiety throughout my life and so i have this i guess disease for comfort right when i really mm-hmm. get comfortable i start worrying about like okay when are the wheels going to come off right so i i tend to then make drastic changes and really shake things up to see what's going to happen it's kind of a control thing for me right and uh and so like i'd rather shake things up instead of being shook up Okay. uh, Interesting. You want to get ahead of it. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, and again, it's, I don't, it's not necessarily a good personal trait, but it's just my trait. Right. Mm -hmm. And I talk about it in the book. I talk specifically about, um, you know, how, how comfort is a disease for me at the way I look at it. And, um, you know, it can just be that way, but so 2006, I'm, I'm flying back, um, back home. I'm, you know, I'm gone basically three weeks a month at this point, traveling all over the place. I have a young kid, um, and another one on the way, and you know, well, actually, so, and I'm sitting there calculating how much of my marriage I'm missing, right? And I'm like, okay, this is not going to be good long term, at least mm-hmm. not for what I wanted. And so I decided that um, at that point in time, I could take a chance, jump into entrepreneurship, and so I started looking at the quickest ways to become an entrepreneur. And what I found was real estate was a really lucrative way to jump right into entrepreneurship. And there's so many things you can do with real estate, right? You can do Mm -hmm. sales, you can do investing, you can do construction. I mean, there's just so many things that you can do. And so I decided to get into commercial real estate. I had a family friend who who offered to be a mentor to me. And so in 2006, July, I jumped out of my job. I went in, turned in my resignation. you know, they tried to talk me out of it, but I really wanted to do this. I really wanted to test myself. It's that comfort thing, right? So I jumped into real estate and literally, what was that? Eight months later, nine months later, the market crashes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely crashes, right? So this is 2007, now eight, and I'm going broke. I'm burning through all my savings. Uh, you know, there's no money coming in. There's no, there's no outlook of this ever, you know, changing very quickly. Um, you know, but luckily enough, I, I did find a partner. And I think the key takeaway from this is that if you're, it's, it's always good to have a partner in any business that you're in, it's better to be two, three, or a band of people. And even if you just want to have someone, not an equity person, at least have a band of advisors or mentors that can help you. That's so super critical. So I found my business partner, we went in equity together and we started an auction company from scratch because that seemed to be the biggest opportunity is the market had come to a grinding halt. No one knew what value was in real estate. And so what we said is, well, auction is the truest way to find a market. Let's Mm -hmm. put a bunch of people together in a room, let them honestly decide what something is worth, not the realtor, not in you know, not an appraiser, but let the market decide. And that's what we did. We did 850 real estate auctions over the next couple of years. And um, we were the largest auction company in the West Central Florida. We only did real estate. We worked for every major bank and servicer on the planet. And, um, and we really had a good run at it. And so that was a lot of fun. From there, we jumped into being hired by some hedge funds to do some investing for them. And then, uh, and then right after that, a friend that we made through that process was starting a retail company and asked us if we wanted to come in as partners, and we did. 
And uh, when I decided to exit in 2019, we just closed the year with 917 million in sales that year. So it was a it was a ride, man. It wasn't, but it wasn't easy. <laughs> no, but a lot of a lot of really good lessons that I hope people take out of this. Like align with mentors, align with advisors. You don't have to do it all on your own. It's better to own a part of something than all or nothing. And then plus, you were pretty damn good at pivoting when shit hit the fan and that that's probably you know in terms of going into real estate the time you went into real estate you could not pick a worse time to go into an entrepreneurial venture so like if if you can survive that then everything else that people struggle with yeah it's tough sometimes but you can do it that's 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 really it yeah, you know, the, I look back at that time of, you know, looking at my family, looking at the decision that I made, because I did think about going back and trying to get my job back. I mean, you know, there were those those nights, um, you know, usually at the end of the month. Right. And uh, yeah. and when I look back at that time, though, it really did a lot of things for me, because when I left corporate and I went into real estate, man, my ego was huge. I had a big ego. Um, you know, I felt like I could really take anything on in that time of, of valleyness, I call it. Um, it really helped me check my ego, really understand what I wanted to do. And, and I never looked back after that. I just went forward. So, you know, that was a, that was an interesting moment in time. And so anyone who's listening to this, if you're in your valley moment, you know, it, it's a grow time. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I think that uh, you know, you, you, you luckily came out of it. I, I, am I'm, I'm not, I don't know the time frame exactly, but it may be like six months a year, whatever, till things started to pick up. But I think that that's something that all entrepreneurs, um, when they try and do something for the first time, they're going to hit it at some point and it could drag on for two, three, four years. Like it's not always so nice when you go from, you, you leave your job, you start something, it doesn't work. And then a year later it does work. Like that's even as shitty as your situation was, your, your Valley time. I love that. It's, it can drag on for a bit, but if you're moving in the right direction, then that's, that's really where you win. You never see somebody do something for 10 years and at the, at the 10th year, they're unsuccessful. It's the people that quit after year two, year three. Yeah. Yeah, That's a beautiful, yeah. You make a beautiful point there because, you know, and, and I never believe, I didn't believe it to begin with, but I, you know, I read all the business books and stuff and they said, Oh, it takes 10 years. It takes 10 years, right? That was the common theme. Takes 10 years, take 10 years. And I'm like, Okay, and then it really did. It, it takes that five to ten years for you to really hit a stride with a business, um, and it's just going to take you that long, and you just got to make it through. Just a real quick story. I'll, I just I was just thinking about so this. I just I wanted to communicate to people the start right. So when we decided to do an auction business, we'd never done an auction in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a live auction with people, right? Paperwork. I mean, documents, selling real estate, everything else. And so we get this client to, uh, to go ahead and, um, and let us sell this house. And, um, and so we actually showed up to the house. We had no idea, you know, we thought what we knew we were going to do. We went into the house and, uh, and so we took his, his portable bar from the house. We put it in the backyard. We set up chairs from the dining room in the backyard and we had this auction and we sold the house for more than he wanted. And it was like this, this like, it was this crazy moment that, you know, what if we wouldn't have done that? What if we just wouldn't have tried, you know, what that, what would that have looked like? Um, you know, I know you have a lot of those start moments where, you, you know, I mean, you're obviously a guy who, who runs a lot of businesses. And so starting probably, right. That's key. Starting is key. Um, realizing that it's never going to work. The first, the, the first iteration is never going to work. 
dealing with all the shit that comes with starting something new and the stress and the, and, and the figuring it out, like the constant figuring it out. That's a beautiful story though. That's, I, I really like the story because if you hadn't have done that, there's a good chance it wouldn't have sold. And if you hadn't have sold that one house, then you may have just, most people would have been like, oh, it's not for me. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. This is like, you know, it's never going to work out. But you, you, you lucked out. You, you came with a good idea. You actioned on it and it, and it, and it worked. And that was the start of, well, I'm assuming that was the most lucrative portion of your career. Like that was the, 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 the entry level into successful entrepreneurship, doing your own thing. And then eventually when you're selling, you know, $900 million of real estate, like that's, that's pretty, that's pretty damn good. Right. So, yeah, no, it was uh, you know, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, selling real estate can be very lucrative, um, but yeah. it is a hundred percent a commission business and you have to hustle. If you're not hustling today, you're not getting paid six months from today. And, um, yeah. and it's no, it's, and it's, and it's a doggy dog. I mean, it's tough. It's a tough slug, slug it out, uh, and, and, you know, venture, but at the same time, it's incredibly lucrative, not only from yeah. the investment side, but also, you know, but it's also great because it's deal making. That's what I, that's what I learned about myself during that time is, and I necessarily wasn't in love with real estate as much as I was in love with doing the deal. Doing the deal was like a drug, right? And, and you know that cause you're in sales, yeah. anyone in sales, when you do the deal, man, there's nothing better. Yeah. And you, I'm just curious what tips going into, let's call it sales, um, because it is sales. What did you, how did you learn how to do that with an HR and an electrical engineering background? You had no, you had no sales experience. Mm -hmm. Well, you you did, I guess, an HR a little bit because you're brokering deals there, but how'd you, how'd you manage that? How'd you learn? So what I learned in, in quite honestly, so, so my mom was 17 when she had me, right? So, and my mom was a tremendously successful businesswoman, um, and an incredible parent and everything else, but also a great teacher. So I learned from my mom and and this is really where it came from, but then with the people around me is that it is, it's the incremental part that comes with discipline that is the win right Mm -hmm. it's doing those little things over and over and over again that are going to make it work for you and so what i learned quite honestly was like i'm a time block king i mean like i am a time block guy so i think a key to anybody in sales if you want to go into sales you have to just consume everything you can about the mindset around time blocking the philosophies what works for you get really good at it time blocking is an incredible incredible concept and a mindset that you have to have if you're going to do sales period <laughs> is that I, the concept is in my opinion very important but i've never heard somebody speak to it as the precursor to the success in sales is it just so there's so much stuff happening is and you just have to block it out so that you are just more efficient and without that you wouldn't get stuff done i'm curious yeah, no, the way I look at it is, so it goes back to the only thing you have as a salesperson to sell is your time. Yeah. Forget the product, forget the service, forget anything else, right? Really what you're doing is you're selling your time. And so if you're not sacred about your time, you've already lost. And, the, and so that's the way I looked at it was like, if someone was willing to steal my time or to try and take my time away, they're taking food off the table for my family. And I got seriously sacred about my time. And, you know, and that's the way I looked at it. And that just caused me to to line up everything else, right? Who was I going to spend my time with? What deals was I going to go after? What was I going to say no to? 
Um, you know, at the end of the day, could I honestly measure how I did? Absolutely, because I could look at that time. So everything fell around the time. And mm-hmm. if you are in sales, don't look at it like you're trying to sell the product because that's not really what you're selling. Really what you're selling is where are you putting your time in order to make that thing happen? Yeah, that's a damn good, sense. it makes a ton of sense because um, said differently, if you're in sales and you're not qualifying out, if you're not saying no to people that aren't a good fit, if you right. don't have a process for that or you don't even know what good looks like, you're chasing everything because there's no shortage of deals out there. But like you said, there's a shortage of time. And, and actually, the most effective sales reps say no more than they say yes to demos, to meetings, to calls. And like it's, it's honestly even worse in a, in a post-COVID world where everything is like an hour-long Zoom call for no reason, right? And that can, like, you, can, you can do a deal over maybe an hour, an hour and a half Zoom call, or, that, or a smaller deal could take you five, ten hours. Yep. If you get the wrong customer for whatever reason, and they're just back and forth and hemming and hawing and negotiating, and, and that happens sometimes, and you just lose like days of your life chasing the wrong oh. customer. Oh, yeah. You know, in real estate, especially, you know, and I know it's in other environments too, but, you know, People will come with you and they'll and they'll shake money at you, right? And they'll say, "Hey, listen, go find me a deal. I, you know, I need to, I need to place a million bucks, right?" And so you're like, "Man, three to six percent of a million bucks, man, I need to go do that, right?" Um, but really, what they're doing is they're just bird dogging you. They've got six or seven other people going out looking for deals, and if you don't if you don't take care of your time, you could have only bird dog clients. And guess what? You're gonna you're gonna go more than broke. You're gonna go bankrupt. <laughs> it's yeah. no joke. So- so how do you how do you deal with that? What's a lesson that you learned in real estate on how to find where to spend your time? And is it something that we could easily take into other environments so that people can figure out where to not waste time? Hey, Scott here. We're just going to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Gusto. This is a one-stop shop, one place you can go to take care of all the payroll issues, all the payroll stresses that you have to deal with as a business owner. Look, 2020 has been a rough year. We can all agree on that. And 2021 is pretty rough too. But if there's one thing that small business owners don't need is more headache. One thing that you've learned in the past year is that you have to focus on your business because Gusto isn't just built with business in mind is built with the people who run businesses in mind. Their payroll system is the easiest to use, and I've used a lot over my career. Gusto automatically calculates paychecks. It files all of your payroll taxes. It also helps with time tracking, health insurance, and a ton of other HR nightmares that you just don't want to deal with. It also gives you access to HR experts who can help you. Super easy to get started and set up. The switching panes are nil. Why? Because they will move over all of your data for you. 94% of customers who switch to Gusto recommend Gusto as the best payroll solution they've ever used. And this is the offer you're waiting for. Anybody who's listening right now on the Success Story podcast, you get three months free. This means you can try it without any stress. Go to gusto.com slash Scott. That's gusto.com slash Scott. And that will give you three months free to try it out for yourself. Play around with it. See if it works for your business. I'm almost positive it will. All right, let's get back to it. Yeah, that's that's super good because I do, you know, because now I'm in coaching, right? So I'm doing yeah. the same same thing. Um, I'm selling my time, 
But it is, but with that being said, is I got to, like you said, qualify what those opportunities are, are like. So anyone that is in a sales role or growing a business and trying to figure out how to pick up clients and customers, those kind of things, the first thing you have to you have to ask or you have to do is you have to be a really good listener. You have to listen for the cues of what people are telling you. If it first thing you need to know, if it sounds too good to be true and you don't have to really work hard to make it happen, guess what? It's too good to be true. There's no deal there. <laughs> yeah. There isn't. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's the first thing. That's the first thing you qualify. If it really if it sounds too good and it's too easy, um, it's not it, it never ha those things don't happen. You're going to hit singles a lot more than you're going to hit those home runs. So, you know, look for the singles always. You know, what are the deals that I can get done that I know that are real that can make happen? And uh, and get rid of that swinging for the fences mentality. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's very good advice. Um, what now? I'm curious. I'm curious what you're working with now. So let's let's keep going down the career path because that will dovetail into some great questions as to what you're helping people with out right now after your career. So sure. what's next after after you exit real estate and you're done that? What are you doing now? What's what's the book? What's coaching? What's your academy? All that stuff. And why are you doing that? Yeah, so um, so I was I was in my last two years um, as a partner, and I, I found myself coaching more than I was really doing the sales anymore. And I was finding my joy in there. I found a new joy. Right, um, the deal making was fun, but what I was really enjoying was watching other people be successful, and working through them. And I was finding my joy through that process. <clears throat> and um, and so I decided I wanted to get coaching. I talked to my partner partners. They talked me out of it twice, um, but I finally <laughs> eventually made that happen. And uh, and so so we, so I did. So I jumped in and I created a, a coaching company called the Return on You Investment Academy because I wanted it to tie back to money because everything does come back to money in terms of you know a basis of successful measure. But really, there's another piece to it, which is how are you investing in you, right? If you invest in you, then the money will come. So it's a return on you investment academy. So I started a coaching academy. I went and got certified. Um, I'm a certified high performance coach. So I carry some credentials with me. And, um, and I started this company. And along those lines, I started to reflect a little bit, especially when COVID happened, is, is this mindset that came to me about a CEO, right? I'm, I'm coaching executives. I'm coaching you know CEOs and entrepreneurs for their own company. And I'm really thinking about what it is that makes them successful. And what I began to realize is that there, this concept of work-life balance and all this other stuff is really flawed because what I see in the most successful people, and I also see it in my own life, is that I'm no different at home than I am in my job. I'm, I'm the same person, right? And so why do we break apart the workplace and the life place really Let's bring those two things together. And if you can bring those two things together, you will be successfully rounded. And so I started thinking about the CEO job description. And if you go through a CEO's job description, you'll see it's a lot like how you should leave your life. You should have a vision. You should have mission. You should have goals. You should know who the people are that are around you as your shareholders. You should be able to say no. You should have values. You should set boundaries. Um, you should know how to deal with you know a lot of shit every day because it's going to come. And so, you know, all of those things. And so I wrote this book, CEO for Life, for that purpose is to try and bring the concept together for people that you really should be the same person in the workplace and life place. So mm. it's been a lot of fun, man. I've really enjoyed it. 
No, I, I appreciate the, the, the transitioning. I think that actually you probably your love for coaching probably comes from your, your love for helping people. And that's actually probably why you transitioned from electrical engineering to HR in the first place. If I'm just reading along your career, it makes like it makes a lot of sense what you keep defaulting to and, and what you sort of excel at. Um, but I guess I guess my question, you know, the CEO for life, I love the I love the uh, analogy that you have to run your life like a CEO. Um so how do we solve how do we solve for that how do we remove the work life and the and the personal life because there's things that i'm sure like this is ingrained in people like they have to act one way at work and they and they act differently at home so what are like the the actionable steps that you can start doing or is it just a matter of finding the right organization that also recognizes that they want a certain authenticity in who they hire how do you fix that? That's great. It's a great. That's a great conversation. It's a super conversation. So the first thing is you have to work your roadmap to, to make sure that your your life and your work, who you are, maps to what a CEO is. Right? Do you have a? Okay. First thing you got to know is do you have some level of self awareness? Listen, mm-hmm. if you're a dick, it, it yeah. ain't gonna work no matter what you do. Right? I mean, you know, or if you're a bad person, or you know, whatever whatever label you want to call it, in terms of being a jerk or working difficult with people, you have to some have some level of self awareness. Once you have some self-awareness from there, you can decide, okay, well, what is the vision for my life? And what I tell people is their vision is never big enough. When I sit down with clients and I talk to them, tell me about your vision for your life. It's never big enough. It's never big enough. It's always, it's always, well, this year I want to do this, or, you know, we're looking to buy this house or, you know, we're, uh, you know, I want my kids to college. Well, what I talk about in the book is dream generationally. You know, a CEO doesn't, a CEO measures in a year or a quarter, but when they look at casting vision for the company, they're thinking five years, 10 years, 30 years. Where where are we going to turn this ship and take it to, you know, Elon Musk is looking at Mars. He's not, <laughs> he's not just thinking about trying to get this thing to go up and then come back down, right? I mean, he's, so dreaming generationally is super important. So self-awareness and making sure you have a big dream. And then from there, you can begin to put your roadmap together. Okay, so what are the goals that are going to get you there? What values are going to keep you in line, right? So you're not going to cross any ethical barriers, those kind of things. Then what are the people that you're surrounding yourself with? Who are your shareholders? Listen, it's, it's cliche, but it's truth. I guarantee if you look at the people you spend the most time with, the five people you spend the most time with, you eat where they eat, you listen to the same music they do, you dress like them, you talk like them, you drink the same beers or wine. I mean, that's just what we do, right? I, it's funny because I have a 16-year-old daughter, and, and it's just so apparent in, uh, in, in her boyfriend. All the boys in high school, they dress the same, they have the same beeper haircut, they all listen to the same music, <laughs> yeah. they all drive the same trucks, they all, you know, it, it's, it's all the same things, right? And it's so apparent in, in, in high schoolers that, but it never leaves us. We're always there. So who are you leveling up in your sphere? And then from there, you can then begin to say, okay, now that I have all these pieces in place, how am I, how am I? learning to to work within that and that comes with having this firefighter mindset is um, I was told a long time ago you live your life in three states you're either in a storm coming out of a storm or going into a storm that is life period and so you better be preparing today for that storm that you're either in going into or coming out of <laughs> and every day be a be a good firefighter so those are the things that are that are wrapped up in the book and they all have practical exercises around it and that's that's what i'm trying to help people find is that direction for their ceo 
And do you find um, those are good lessons? And, and now, so the context of the book book makes sense. Excuse me. Do you find that that's similar to what people reach out to you for when they look for business business advice or coaching advice? Are those is that the core problem that they're trying to solve, or what other types of coaching do you actually work with people on outside of this CEO work life balance? Sure. And so it's, you know, co- coaching is so interesting to me is because it, um, I guess the easiest way to say it is everybody that I coach already knows what they need to do. Hmm. We all do. We all know we need to lose weight or we need to exercise or we need to do this or I need to pick up the phone and make those phone calls or, you know, I need to get my accounting and everybody knows what they need to do. But what they need is someone to speak that truth into them so they can they can then release themselves to go do it. And that's really what coaching does. It allows a person to release themselves into what they know they need to do. Because what happens often is um, we get caught up in this mental chatter, right? We talk to ourselves in our head four times more than we talk to a person verbally. So you're having a conversation in your head four times more than you're having a conversation with someone else. And so we get lost in that. But sometimes you need that person to have that verbal conversation with, make some accountability, go through that. So that's what I spend a lot of time with people is we first start at what is it that you're not doing that you know you should do? And from there, everything else unravels. We put a plan in place. We execute on that plan. And my normal coaching um, time is 12 weeks. At the end of 12 weeks, I mean, they've, they've gone way beyond they ever thought they would have been from the beginning. And, and do you find, I, I, I'm going to, I think I know the answer to this because of accountability and because of what you just said, but do you find that people have improved results when they pay an individual, pay somebody to actually do the coaching versus they find mentors, they find advisors, they go learn on their own? You know, it's funny. It, so here's, here's my analysis of that. It's not, it's not even the amount of money. What it is, is the fact that they're having to tell somebody else that's close to them in their sphere that they're spending money to do this. Hmm. So it's not even my accountability as a coach. It's the accountability that comes from the people that's surrounding those people that they've invested in this. And so that is the actual push that makes them stay in place. It's not even me as the accountability. It's the fact that the people around them, you know, they, they talk about, you know, you can read stuff about addictions and those kind of things. Yeah. Admitting to someone that you're going to change and that you're going to do that, that's in your sphere is the most powerful way to make something happen. And so it's funny, you know, you would think it's just that fact that, Hey, listen, I paid Rob X. And so now, you know, I want to make these happen, but it's more that I had to have a conversation with my wife or my spouse or my partner or whoever it is that I'm doing this. That's really what holds somebody accountable. It's really an mm-hmm. interesting thing that I never thought, but it is, it's a no, it makes It makes sense. And I've seen it. So I've never, I've never paid for professional coaching. I have mentors and whatnot and I, and I've aligned mm-hmm. with people. But then again, I think about it and I've like bought, I've bought education before, but I see it because I paid for a personal trainer mm-hmm. and I paid for somebody that I needed to be accountable to. And it's just this level of, of clarity and where you have to end up when there's, Yes, your own circle, you're putting money into it. And then that person also, the trainer, is holding you accountable. It's just, it's a different level. It's like a fast-tracked education. And, I, and I'm saying this just because I find the concept of coaching interesting because there's always those people that push back and they're like, you can just figure it out yourself and you can just go learn it yourself. And I think that also, to be quite honest, 
what's unfortunate is that there's so many people that proclaim themselves coaches that the industry is inundated with people just trying to teach things they think they are good at teaching and you have to filter through a lot of garbage to find people that are actually effective at teaching you stuff but like i you know it's just it's just like once you do find that person it's like you'll move like five years you'll advance five years in a business or in a career or in your mindset that would have taken you much longer yeah. to to figure out yourself even if you were motivated right um yeah it's, yeah. Uh, yeah it's funny you say that too because um you know probably probably a realtor's probably one step above a coach, right? Because everybody's got a real estate license just about, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, honestly, it's a low barrier entry, I mean, yeah. opportunity. I mean, you know, you just go, you, you take your class, you sit for your test, and, you know, and then you walk out and you're supposedly supposed to know how to do a deal. And, you know, that's not the case. And so, you know, so realtors, at least in Florida and in the market that I was in, um, you know, the, there were 7,000 realtors in my market. The average number of deals they did a year was 2.5. So the average realtor did two transactions a year, two in 12 months. And the reason why is because it was somebody's mother, father, cousin, brother, friend, coworker, boyfriend, whatever, right? But that person may have never done a deal before. And in, in, and I saw it time and time again and being the second realtor and someone would hire, to, you know, I mean, our market was a huge luxury market. So we were selling multi-million dollar properties and they would have hired someone who's never even sold, you know, a hundred thousand dollar property to sell their property. And it's like there was no interview. There was no thought process. They just they did it. So a lot of that's coaches, too, is you get wrapped up in the in the seven funnel. And next thing you know, you spent a thousand bucks <laughs> yeah. masterclass ebook and you're like, what am I doing? Right. You know, but hey, that's that's what it is. So I guess the thing to say to that, if I can, is just research who you want to work with. And how do you what do you. OK, so you're in it. Interview. So what do you look for? You interview them. You interview. Them. Yeah. So so here's what I look for is the first is the first thing you got to do is you got to feel a connection with somebody. So, you know, if there's not a connection, meaning that you have to have a feeling that that person cares about you and has a real interest in you being well, not just trying to sell you something. Mm -hmm. if, if you don't have that, that gut feeling that this person cares about this process for me, then you need to walk. Um, the, then the second thing is look at a person's, you know, background and credentials and, and see if it matches up to what you're trying to accomplish. You know, so like for me, um, a lot of people that I deal with are pivots. So people that are making lots of changes in their careers because I've gone through it and I've done it. Um, a lot of people I deal with are realtors or in sales and marketing positions. And then, um, and then also, you know, I deal with, I have some really high level executives because that's what I did in the, in, you know, it's a fortune 150 company. I mean, you know, so I was dealing with, you know, really highly successful, um, executives yeah. so, and, you know, yeah. I was dependent, they were dependent upon me to make, help them make good decisions. So, yeah, no, there's something to be said for it because it just, it just so there's so many, there's so many people out there and I appreciate, I appreciate that insight because I am a believer, like, you know, I am a believer if you find the right person that can really, really help you excel in your personal or professional life. But like, it's just hard to find those people. So that's why, you know, getting, getting that feedback is important. So, you know, that, that vibe, that, that, the feeling that you trust the person, the feeling that you have a good feeling about them, 
that goes a long way. And then, of course, the credentials are important as well. But you're right. That seven funnel, you know, uh, <laughs> you're getting all this. You're getting inundated with their emails. Like that's it's it's it, they turn it into a commodity. A lot of coaches, which mm-hmm. I think is unfortunate because I think that when and I didn't even mean to, to go here, but, you know, you see a lot of people that do coaching. They're targeting people that are not executives or are not pivots. These are not people that are hurting financially, but it's more the people that are targeting people that have their last, you know, 1500 bucks in the bank. That's those are the people that I have an issue with, not people that are getting somebody from five hundred thousand dollars a year on their on their you know net income for the year to like 750 or pivoting into a different industry. Those are people that are very, very useful. And those are the people that you should be paying for. You know, it's interesting. I think, you know, both of us share a fan base, you know, in the fact that, you know, we, you know, I happen to, to think a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk and what he does and, and yeah. you know, in some of his models and stuff. And, and something that he would always say early on in his speaking engagements, he's like, he knew it from the beginning in those in those large conferences or those workshops and those kind of things, like only 1% of people are actually going to do something with it. And in my mind, I just can't accept that, right? I just... You know, I'd much rather work with someone one on one or a small team or a group of people who are actually getting some results instead of, you know, proclaiming here's the gospel and then hopefully somebody's going to go do something with it. Right. You know, so, yeah, you know, but that's where we're at right now is, you know, a lot of people are seeking, they're trying to find, they're trying to do discovery. And, you know, I'm not saying that anyone's trying to take advantage of anybody, but what I'm saying is at some point you got to get granule, you got to get surgical, you have to go and really do the work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's important too. And that's why I think that when you have a model that perhaps perhaps is more like a high performance coach, um you're you're more one-on-one. Like you're more interacting daily versus just you learning uh, or like one teacher to like, you know, 5,000 students, which obviously is never going to have the same impact, right? So right. Yeah. um exactly. No, very good. Um yeah. So, I guess I I always like to I like to ask some like rapid fire stuff at the end, um, just like like life lessons. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to go into? Because we went into your career, um, you know, your learnings as through entrepreneurship, some of your strategies for being successful, like what you're working on now. Was there anything we didn't touch on? No, I think, you know, if, if anything, I just want to impress upon people that, um, you know, again, it's just about starting. You are the CEO yeah. for your life. It's a job that yeah. you were given the day you were born. Own it. You can't delegate it. You can't give it to anybody else. You can't hire somebody else to do it. It is you. Um, and so own it because it's the greatest job you'll ever have is being the CEO for your life. I love it. Complete ownership. Extreme ownership. What that, that's a book by, uh, by uh, Yako Willink, I think. Uh, yeah. Extreme ownership. That's a good book. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, Some rapid fire questions. Biggest challenge in your career? Myself, that mental chatter, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, so like I expressed before, I've gone through anxiety a few times in my life, you know, I clinically saw somebody for it because I was so much into my head. Um, I'm a controlling, I'm a control person. And so being out of control, whether it's good or bad is it still has a stress on me. So take care of yourself, your well-being first, you know, don't be in your head too much. Good advice. Um, what inspires you to do your best work? Serving others for sure. There's no doubt about that. I get my greatest joy in life by, there's a book called uh, Halftime and it gives us the concept of 
you can this can happen when you're 18, 15, 35, 55, 65. There's a point there's points in your life where you move from success to significance and when you move from success to significance your life takes on a whole new meaning. And so, you know, pouring into others and investing in others, serving others, that's the greatest thing you can do and you can make a lot of money doing it. Yeah, no, good. Good, good, good. Um, a lesson you could tell your younger self. Lesson to tell the younger self, um, it goes quick. <laughs> it goes it does. really, really quick. Yeah, it does. Now, that, that being said, I've heard, yes, life does go quick, but still, what, what is the saying? Like the, the days are long, but the years are short. <laughs> so, yeah. Some, yeah. And, and, but also realize that if you are trying to build something of yourself, I'll, I'll contest you on that point only by saying this. If even though life does go quick, um, five years or 10 years committed to something is not a long time. So it, put it, it put in that time, you know? Yeah. You know, you got to put you, it again, you know, going back to that sacredness, time really needs to be sacred. Yeah. Got, I mean, I have time behind me in a picture format and in front of yeah. me on the other one. I keep it in front of me and behind me because I am fanatical about time. You know, like, you know, it's it just, you know, I, I mean, we have a saying in our family. Um, it, it's a, if you're early or on time, if you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, it's unacceptable. Right. And, you know, that's just, you know, that's you got to have sit, time is very sacred. It's respectful. It's sacred. It's important. So, yeah. Very good. Um, and you sort of answered this already, but uh, favorite resource, podcast, book, mentor, something that somebody should go check out. Yeah, I think, um, you know, <laughs> this is awful, but like right now, for some reason, I'm on barstool sports like all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> you can learn and, some trading advice from Dave, right? Yeah. I'll tell you why. It's because it's, it's great to watch the story of barstool, what it started to, what it started as, what it's become. In the loyalty that group has for each other, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's unauthentic what they put out into the world. I think they truly are a family. They have their issues. You know, it's like this dysfunctional family, but they all got each other's back. And and I just, I thrive off of that. It gives me energy. I love it. I just love yeah. it. It's good. It is good. They're 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 funny. I, I don't think and there's like too much else like them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You thought sorry? What you said? I didn't hear what you said. Oh, and I like pizza, you know, Dave's pizza reviews, yeah. right? So, yeah. I, yeah, that's good. That is good. Um, okay. Uh, and last, last question before I get some, uh, some socials and website from you. Um, what does success mean to you? Mm, oh, I, oh, that's, that's super easy. I mean, success is literally uh, my family. I mean, you know, it's, it's very cliche to say that, right? Um, because that's what everybody says, but you know, that's where things are at. And I mean, that's why I originally left the job that I had, you know, I had a great job, but I was traveling three weeks a month and I knew that was a recipe for a disaster. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I had to make a choice to, to do that. And so I think investing in my family, I mean, that's just, it's been the best. Good. And good. you can do it. You can do it. Yeah. And by the way, that's, that is a good answer. It's a great answer, but not everybody gives that answer. People, it's a funny question because everybody thinks of it and interprets it differently based on where their mind's at and what's a, what's a priority in their life. Usually, right. usually freedom, family, some people say money, uh, you know, like more, more, um, monetary drivers or, or, uh, or, or 
uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Like just like indications of success, but a lot of it is like freedom, family, things that are not so tied to the personal wealth. Um, and then most importantly, uh, your socials. Where can people email you, connect with you, website? Yeah, so the best place to find me and connect with me is on LinkedIn. So Robert Lee Barber on LinkedIn. So you'll find me there. Um, that's the easiest way to connect. And I would love just to talk to anybody and help them out in any way that I can. I do believe that connection is uh, the greatest way to find um, opportunity. So let's connect. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn Jobs, and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. 
it's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story too. So there's five brothers, they filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935 and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professional to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. 